Levels, levels. Levels, levels. Look, one of us is traveling and we still have levels. How cool is that? Okay. <clears throat> hey, I, uh, I think I found a way for you to play in the U.S. Open. The golf one or the tennis one? Because I, I say that and there's always confusion. So the golf one or the tennis one? <laughs> I actually can't imagine that it matters. But for the sake of this story, uh, let's just say golf. Okay, golf. Okay, I read a story today about a guy who lost his fantasy football league, so his punishment was that he had to play in his local U.S. Open qualifier. How is that a punishment? Okay. Um, and, and, and what's more, how do you even do that? I mean... Okay, well, one, how's that a punishment? He shot 112. Plays like me. Okay. If I'm playing in a U.S. Open qualifier and I shoot 112, that's a good day. <laughs> From the tips on a course setup like that, I'll take that number. That's good. Sorry, go. I, I interrupted, please. Okay. All right. Well, the other part, though, is generally speaking, if you have if you're an amateur with that kind of handicap, you can't even get into the tournament. Hmm. Because if you're an amateur, you have to have a 1.4 handicap or better, which he clearly didn't. So he, so he or his playing partner, his fantasy football league team uh, found a way around it. Okay. He just marked on the, on the application form, he just marked the box that said professional. Professional what? Look, look, do you want to get into the U.S. Open or not? Good, good point. Okay, um, so this year's draft, Jets. Jets, all Jets. Nothing but Jets. J-E-T-S. That ought to do it. Hi, toddlers. Welcome to Talking to Todd, a weekly podcast with Dwayne Johnson and Todd Prins, where failure is always an option. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Todd. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Live from Anaheim. Live on Ooh. tape. We're, I mean, we're live here. Yes. Yeah. It'll be. Something. Wait, you brought a tape recorder? I. <laughs> I'm just thinking, I don't know how you're going to edit that on a plane when you have to pull out the tiny little razor blade to cut the tape and splice it. Somebody's got, excuse me, TSA, he has a razor blade. <laughs> don't worry, I'm just editing a podcast. That's not how that's done. That's, that's not how that's done that's at not, all. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> how you doing? Yeah, you know, pretty good. Just uh, settling back in and, you know, trying to, you know, watch TV and read the internet, you know, mostly so we have content to talk about. That's, you know, been my focus. And turns out we've got, we got plenty of content. We'll see if any of it stays. Um, so yeah, doing well. Good. Good. Uh, by the way, just to follow up on the cold open, yeah. uh, at the end of that story, and that was a legit story, uh, the uh, USGA, uh, responded to the reporter asking about this saying that uh, the gentleman who checked the professional box who then shot 112 
uh, will not be allowed to go back into U.S. Open qualifiers, and he has now uh, he has now because he's marked himself as a professional, he cannot go back and regain his amateur status. <laughs> so, oh yeah, yeah, that's there so, you go. That's, so that's that's a card you can play just the one time. Right, right. Because once you once you know it's it's sort of NCAA rules, right? I I don't think he's too worried about. <laughs> Excuse me, are you an amateur? <laughs> Oh boy! So you get some follow up from last week, or do we want to go to feedback first? Let's go we, to feedback. Let's, what do we uh, normally let's, do? Let's we normally go to feedback. Okay. You want to start? Because um, my my rundown on my side piece here is not working. <laughs> um, you had uh, so I didn't have any feedback. Well, I have some follow up from my side, but I don't have any feedback. You had feedback from Amy. Yes. Regarding the cold open last week, she says because I had to write this down specifically. The cold open was right up to the edge. It got a, ooh. <laughs> yes. Just, it's, well, that's good, because that's exactly the way I felt about it. Like, yeah. Well, all right. Yep. Um, item two, she did know that the piercings was Lance, and she called me out in real time. Lance or Lewis? Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to correct your correction. <laughs> this is still follow-up. We'll have a correction later. And yes. Yes. <laughs> the, right. piercings, the piercing was Lewis. She did know that. Uh, and, and yes, she called me out on that in real time. She also laughed way too hard on your comment about that assumes that she wants to find you. <laughs> and the fact that she laughed too hard is my commentary, not hers. Yes. But it all the same. What wasn't that funny? I mean, come oh, all right. <laughs> Apparently it was Sarah has, Sarah has been really busy. And so she finally, Sarah Judson Brown toddler negative 18 finally got caught up this week and sent me, oh my Lord, she sent me a book. Well, I mean, she is an author, but she's all caught up. Uh, book donation follow-up. We definitely don't want to get Greg fired. So, um, and the tent scene from Splice read at a school board meeting could make things a little tense. That's what she said. Um, but adults should <clears throat> totally buy her books. Totally but not graphic. Just quick, not, quick. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I was just like, wait, that scene could make the meeting a little tense. Tense or tense? I don't, I don't, just, all right. The extension card on Big Ben was hilarious. <laughs> she also enjoyed Armadillo by morning. Oh, spoiler alert. Yep. And this is follow up. Her mom watched the entire first season of Is It Cake? Yes. The baker who won was the Iowa guy. Really? Yeah. Wow. Did they ever answer Is It Cake? I I don't know. She didn't say that part. She just told me it was the Iowa guy. So 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 there was that. So a little bit of feedback, a little bit of follow-up from Sarah there. So that was that was and then Doug made a sideways reference 
uneducated idiots about how there's this one podcast that he listens to that does like nine or 10 idiot stories a week. And it's like pretty much their entire podcast. You know, if they would just cut it down to two or three, they could get their show to 40 or 45 minutes. Seemed a little too close to the bone to just, I didn't know who he was talking about. It couldn't have been us. No, 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 no. I mean, we usually have three or four idiots of the week and then spend another 20 minutes talking about Doug and Dan. Oh, I see. Oh, I oh, see. Well, yes, I see how that went. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So there was that I didn't have, so I didn't have anything else. That was, that was all of the feedback that I had. And there was a bunch of it this week. Now we have to, okay, that's good. But now we have to move into our corrections. The, um, actuallys. And there were some literal, um, actuallys this okay. week. Okay. Alrighty. Um, this was actually from two weeks ago, maybe okay. it was three weeks ago. You said that. Lisa and Lindsay went to six and then listed four musicals that they went to see. I was counting the musicals and I didn't get to six. And then it finally triggered that they went to see the musical six, not six musicals. Yes. Yes. That was a comma, not a colon. Yes. I don't. Yes. Yes. The musical. Yes, six. the musical six. So if you were if you were confused like I was, they went to see six, not six. I hope that clears that up. How could it not? Um, also, Amy issued a correction that the air tag was not a door prize. Everyone got one, which makes me wonder if the organizers are now just tracking all of their attendees. <laughs> so clearly though see you're in promotions right everybody gets one but if you call it a prize everybody feels good about it like (laughs) and you get a stuffed animal and you get a you literally can't lose this game just play and you get a stuffed animal Uh, with an air tag embedded in it when when i was in austin we ordered 40 blankets and we were getting to the end of this two and a half day show. And I would be damned if I was taking any of these blankets. (laughs) We started out the week. You needed to score 275 points to win a blanket. The next morning it was 200 by the afternoon, by the afternoon and into the evening. Uh, it was, if you can score 100 points on this game, you get a blanket. <laughs> it was not difficult. We had people that came back two, three, four times to try to win because they couldn't hit the score. They just happened to not hit the score until they found, I'm like, here, just take, fine, whatever, <clears throat> goodbye. I see what you should have done. At that point, you should have made it cumulative. Yes. You, you got 40 last time. <laughs> Look, you just got to get 60 now. Sure. Uh, I I had one. Uh, I also had an um, actually, on myself, listening back. Uh, I was talking about the treasures room at the British Library, and I talked about the Magna Carta and the papal follow-up to the Magna Carta. And uh, even when I said it, 
uh, I remember thinking, that didn't sound right. But what am I going to do? Stop this this live production to go look something up? No, that's not where that's not going to happen. Because if I did, you wouldn't edit it out. Because last episode was <laughs> there's a lot got left in. Anyway, um, I said that Magna Carta was twelve fifty was twelve fifty five. I said that multiple times. It was twelve fifteen, not twelve fifty five. It's been so. it's been far too long since I studied that particular. I, that is a date that did not stick with me with my history major. So there was something else too. Um, you, you're taking issue with my editing last week. I'm not taking issue. I'm merely making a comment. <laughs> that was some light editing, <laughs> including the part where I go, you're going to have to, you're going to have to get rid of this. And you're like, yep. And that all stayed. So, <laughs> well, so have you seen the guy that will sh- Photoshop your photos for you? No, I have not. So you send him a photo and ask him to Photoshop it, but he does so. Um, what's the phrase that you use? Malicious compliance. Okay. He does it in, in the most obtuse way possible, which is what struck me when I had the opportunity to edit your request to drop in the song. Yes. You know, if you just drop in the song here, so I did. My request was drop out my audio and drop in the song. Oh, I must have <laughs> I must have missed that part. Sorry, man. Yep. Yep. On the other hand, given the way that song sounds, it's kind of hard to tell the difference. And I'm not saying that because I can. No, it's the other way. One of the two of us was in choir for four years. <laughs> And after that rendition, I'm legally auth- I'm legally required to not say that it was me. All right. Nobody wants to take credit for that. Um, what do we have? In, so we have additional follow-up, though. Let's see. What do we have? Oh, uh, okay. Horse racing and betting. You have follow-up. So was it last week? Two weeks ago, we talked about you, about the English horse rating, racing? Yes, the Grand National. And this week... Over the weekend, we watched the Kentucky Derby because we're we're headed to Kentucky. We're going to spend a day at Churchill Downs, and we like watching the Kentucky Derby anyway. So I'm like, well, we're watching the Kentucky Derby. I still have $12 in our betting account with DraftKings. Maybe I should bet on one of these horses. Had to reset the password because I haven't logged in and Oh, that's why I got that email. That's okay. Why, yes. <laughs> um, but then come to find out, you cannot bet on horse races in DraftKings, at least in Iowa. Mm. I don't know why, but I was I was going to. Um and you were totally you were totally picking the the eighty to one odds. That was totally who you were picking. I I would have put two dollars down on that horse on the one that's that was a last minute. I mean, why not? Why would you not put? Actually, I was going to put uh, Jerry Crawford as an Iowa guy. His horse came in fifth. I was going to bet on Jerry's horse when plays her show, and I probably would have picked the eighty to one shot that was a that just came in as a scratch on a flyer um, because I was hoping to strike it rich. So I thought rich strike would have been a good would have been a good <laughs> bet, but I couldn't. So there it was. 
So anyway, DraftKings, no horse racing. So if you're looking to cash in there, no. So that's what I had there. Um, let's see. I had a few others um, listening back. Uh, last week you talked about that you might want to, you need a, you need a sports net, uh, you need a s- streaming service that will give you sports. Uh, and we, we talked about FUBU. Yes. Um, that was also talked about in another one of the podcasts I listened to and they pointed out because it came from a sports background originally FUBU does, um, unlike most other streamers, like FUBU lets you do like a two up and a four up box with their streaming service really yes because sports people like to watch more than one so if you go down that road you you can actually probably put up both the cubs and the royals and watch two bad teams play at the same time instead of just one let's see other follow-up um oh you we talked about with rue not getting nobody getting eliminated yes yes go ahead yeah well you said that this is a competition show with no competition yeah, And I heard that and I'm like, man, that'd make a great tagline. But then I realized I know there's a reason why they can't use that tagline because that's already has to be copyrighted by the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> um, also listening back and we talked about the, uh, the audio that you dropped in. Um, we had plenty of good title options for last week. I realized there was one other one we could have included there. The Biz Marquee Network. <laughs> I don't know how we missed that one. <laughs> and nope. then and then follow up from a year ago and another follow up uh, the state of Mississippi has officially sued Brett Favre to get their money back. <laughs> They've also sued um, Ted DiBiase, a uh, professional wrestler and some others who also took money. And originally it was Favre was paid for speeches that he never gave, but now Favre was involved in a company that was doing some sort of off-label drugs or something and working with Ted DiBiase and his son. I, I don't know what's going down in Mississippi, but um, uh, Brett, Brett may have, he's not charged with a crime like a number of others, but, but he was crime adjacent. Let me just put it that uh, alleged crime adjacent. So anyway, they just want their money back. They don't want to haul him into court. Unlike everybody else that he was associated with, they're letting him off the hook. Do you remember the you remember the Dixie Chick song down in Mississippi and up to no good? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, there's follow up. We should we should uh, should move on here. Oh, where are we at? Well, I've got actually. I've got this is a. Um, you talked about Rue a little bit. This is oh, something yes. that I've got in main topics. Okay, actually, one of the premier sponsors of Rue, like for the entire run. Every time they give away a year's supply of what? Uh, rice aroni. No, no, that is incorrect, Bob. That's a that's a game show from the eighties. Um, Anastasia uh, of Beverly Hills makeup, makeup, yes, yes. Which again, makeup a year's worth of makeup for a drag queen is not a small prize at all. And. We're watching and, you know, it's one of these things where you're doing, you're kind of watching, but I'm also kind of, you know, reading the internet and whatever while it's going on. And they're like, Anastasia Beverly Hills, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what's the background here? Is is this another Rue product? Mm. 
right? Or 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 what? Is Rue invested in this thing? Because Rue's making money every other way off of this. So yep. that was my guess. So I went to the Wikipedia page, source of all truth and knowledge, for Anastasia Beverly Hills, which lists the history of the corporation and the fact that the original founder's daughter is now the CEO and lists multiple tie-ins and endorsements and programs and and social media outlets and all of this kind of stuff that ABH uses and and is is affiliated with nowhere anywhere is RuPaul's Drag Race <laughs> And I just thought that was kind of interesting, given that, I mean, this is the premier sponsor and has been forever. And they're not touching it. You know what? I think we should look into this. We're going to need, um, Sarah has a good relationship with an editor at Wikipedia, I believe. Yes. Um, we should have her reach out and find out if RuPaul's Drag Race is considered a notable show or not. Did that restraining order get lifted from the editor? Can Sarah talk with her again? Or is that still another 30 days? <laughs> I do not know. We should ask. I'm sure we'll be able to find out. So that's that was that. Was that. Um, you also had, what did you have on your main topics? Oh, um, so <clears throat> in addition to some of the other stuff that baseball is doing this year, did you, uh, this is this has to do with baseball but and their new technology. Did you hear that in order to... Because of all the sign stealing, I don't know if you heard, baseball apparently has had problems with with people using videos and uh, for sign stealing. And I don't know, a team may have cheated and won the World Series and everything else. Somebody bang for me. <laughs> Best Rizzo line ever. <laughs> oh. so, so to combat that, Major League Baseball, I don't know if you know this, they have introduced electronic sign, the catcher and the pitcher and three position players now all have the ability to, they can do electronic sign signaling. Yeah. So that's available. They tried it last year in the minor leagues. The catcher now has a thing on his wrist pad. uh, Like it's got like nine buttons on it. And, and then there's some other buttons on the side and he can push a button and tell the type of pitch that he wants and the location that he wants. The cat, the pitcher has an earpiece now and it will speak to the pitcher, what pitch and what location and up to three position players can also have the earpiece. So they know where to position themselves based on the pitch that's coming. This hasn't gotten a ton of of um, publicity, but it's in the major leagues this year, and and they can use it. They don't have to use it, but they said this would also make the game go faster because when you get a runner on second base, the catcher doesn't have to go out and have the conversation about which signs are we using and all that kind of stuff. Interesting, whatever. It's like, wow, that's. I wonder who made that. There was a story in the Athletic about this, and um. Eh. The company that makes it is now called, uh, well, the device is now called Pitchcom. The company that makes this technology is called ProMystic. The two people that founded the company are mentalists. 
they're also previously, they're also like one of them's electric engineer anyway, and they don't like talking about this, but this device was originally built for mentalists to use when they're doing cold readings in rooms that the other person who is helping them can surreptitiously push buttons and then the earpiece can tell them information. They don't really want to talk about this. Um, they, they, they basically said, um, as an example, because he won't talk about any of their clients, but as an example, one of the co-owners, Hankins, um, notes the earpiece worn by Steve Martin's Huckster Faith Healer in the 1992 film Leap of Faith. Yes. So they've been designing these kind of systems for more than a decade, but this kind of technology has gone on for decades before. Anyway, so baseball has a cheating problem. They think what's the best way to do to get rid of it. And they said, we should use technology that is used by con men, by con men (laughs) to restore (laughs) the sanctity and the integrity of the game. (laughs) Anyway, there you go. This is insane. (laughs) This is insane. (laughs) Yep. And Pro Mystic doesn't really want to talk about it. Look, look, we just make this stuff. Well, what do you normally make it for? <clears throat> performers? What kind of performers need surreptitious uh, secret communication? <clears throat> Mentalists? Oh, you mean the ones that can just see the... Yep. But why would they? Interview's over. Anyway, there you go. New rules of baseball. Should we go to Tech Corner? Yep, yep. Um, I've got... I've got some sad and unexpected news to report in Todd's Tech Corner. Yes. Today, as we record, today as we're recording a little early, today is Tuesday, May 10th, Apple released a press release that they are, as of effect, as of today, they are discontinuing the iPod. Why is it unexpected? Because everybody that reads this goes, wait. That was still a thing? <laughs> they still saw the iPod? <laughs> Apple Apple has been producing the iPod Touch. It was last updated in 2019. Apple forgot they still had it. I mean, to be honest, right? Apple wait, that's still a thing in our lineup? But um so they said that um that you can still buy them um as supplies are limited, but if if you want to get an iPod, <laughs> you you better run to Apple or Best Buy or where ever app iPods are sold apparently 2005 anyway um RIP iPod you had a good run um and we didn't even know you were still around do we have other idiots this week I think we've got a couple of them I have so this one came courtesy of uh my friend Monica who lives in Las Vegas her significant other, huge Broncos fan. As long as I have known them, he's a huge Broncos fan. They lived in Denver, had season tickets, right? Okay. What happened was I got the note 
about Jacksonville playing Denver overseas. The game's going to start at 9.30. She's in Vegas. I'm, and we're sitting across the table from each other at a show this week talking. I'm like, oh, man, that's going to be really early for Brandon to watch the Broncos because they're in Vegas. She says, yeah, he doesn't root for the Broncos anymore. Really? Nope. He either roots for the Chiefs, it's her team, or he roots for the Raiders. I'm like, wow, what the hell? She's like, well, I'm like, didn't you used to have season tickets? I'm like, yeah, I used to. Here's the thing. Had season tickets, and they would go a couple of times a year. But he sold. Are you familiar with the story? Did he sell his tickets too often? He did. He got a letter. He and a whole bunch of other Broncos season ticket holders got letters with no warning that the Broncos were tired of not having home field advantage because too many Broncos fans were selling their tickets to other fans. So if you're a season ticket holder and you sold your tickets too often using NFL ticket exchange, because that's the only way they could track them using the authorized portal, they took away his season tickets. Oh, wow. And he burnt it down. (laughs) If he had gone to eBay, if he had used anything else, right? Put them on Craigslist, stood on the corner, whatever. He still has his season tickets, but no, he used the authorized, no warning, no nothing. There was a lady, apparently, Monica told me this story, that had been a season ticket holder for 33 years and she had hip surgery or something. And so she couldn't go that year. And there were too many steps to get to her seats. So she sold her seats. They took her season tickets away after 33 years. You know, having closely followed the Broncos for many, many years, I would make an argument they lost their home field advantage by starting Drew Locke and Trevor Simeon and any number of other quarterbacks I literally can't even think of right now for six years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the people who bought the tickets. That's the problem. Yeah, just consult the Cincinnati Reds ownership. Yeah. <laughs> Let me know how that's working out for you. Uh, let's see. Oh, um, we referenced the Kentucky Derby yeah. earlier. Pre-race interviews of owners as they're walking from the stables down the track, right? Apparently, this is a thing that they do every year. And so they've got all these reporters and they're sticking the microphone in owners' faces. And how are you feeling? You know, I mean, you're... You know, this is your first race as a owner. And the lady that was an owner, swear to God, she says, everyone needs to experience this. <laughs> Being a Kentucky Derby racehorse owner and walking down the track backwards before your horse races, everyone, everyone needs to experience this. Do you know how many racehorse owners there are in the United States, Todd? Time to play America's favorite game. Todd, guess the number. Oh, oh let's see. Racehorse. I don't know. I'll throw out 100,000. There, there are actually 
two million oh. racehorse owners. Yes. At various levels across the entire United States. Okay. Okay. Out of a population of 333 million, that works out to 0.6% of the U.S. population that is even a racehorse owner. This is the upper crust of the upper crust. This is the crap that the 1% are aspiring to. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, the 1% says, oh boy, I got to get me some of that. I got to get me some racehorse money. Because... That horse, the horse that won, they bought at a claiming race for $30,000 last October. Yes. Because I just have an extra $30,000 floating around in my back pocket to throw on a... Well, if if you don't buy a car, you can at least ride the horse. So, like, you could... (laughs) I, I, I guess. But my initial reaction... To this racehorse owner and her commentary, you are so out of touch with America. Oh, my word. Everyone needs to experience this. Really. Everyone needs to own a yacht. (laughs) Everyone needs to own a penthouse on the top of the Chrysler building. (laughs) So that was my first nomination for Idiot of the Week. Apparently, we need to slice these down a little bit particularly since the clock says we're 46 minutes in. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, I had a couple here. Um, saw this story. This one, this one's good. Um, this is a travel story out of England, but it is not my travel story out of England. This is, uh, this was reported a couple of days ago in the independent um, Manchester airport. Uh, the headline is quote, I've never seen it this bad, unquote. Nightmare cues return to Manchester Airport. Um, top travel tip avoid Manchester Airport like the plague, writes one passenger. Okay, it's two stars, but apparently there's incredibly long queues, like so bad that they've shut down part of the, the parking garage next to the terminal. They've shut the first level down so that the queues for security and check-in can go out of the terminal across the road and snake through the parking garage. It's that bad. Here's why I'm going to, here's why I'm nominating the people that run this airport as idiots. I mean, that's okay. Whatever you got to deal with staff and you got to hire people. They're asking the government for help because it's also a security and all this other stuff. But here's the, here's the other problem though. So Manchester airport stated, <clears throat> Quote, the airport is continuing to advise customers to arrive three hours before their flights to ensure they are up to speed with the latest rules about what can be carried in hand luggage. Okay, now, the rules actually haven't changed, so I don't know what that has to do with anything, but whatever. So they're asking, they continue to advise customers to arrive three hours before their flights. Next paragraph. At the same time, the airport is also asking passengers not to arrive earlier than this because it can lead to extra queues and check-in and security facilities may not be open. So, according to the Manchester airport, (laughs) you need to arrive exactly 
three hours before departure. 2.59, and you might miss your flight. 3.01, you're creating extra cues. Hit that three-hour mark. I just right on the dot. Stellar work, Monty. <laughs> like, like literally, they they in this is in the same note. Like it wasn't two separate notes. <laughs> A single person wrote, please arrive three hours, but don't arrive any earlier than three hours. Let's see. Uh, another idiot. Oh, this one. We talked about uh so. The, the, I'm going to nominate the race promoters of uh, the Miami Grand Prix in Formula One. That was the inaugural race was this weekend. By all accounts, it was a it was a huge success any number of ways. So they issued some press releases to talk about what a huge success it was. Yes, in, in all ways except for exciting racing. Well, there's a couple of laps that were good. Um, <clears throat> okay. This is what they released on the inaugural race. Hard Rock Stadium saw 242,955 fans come through over three days with a record 85,280 on race day, per the race's official Instagram page. Now, they're not wrong. (laughs) I mean... Biggest that was that was the biggest crowd ever. It was a record because it was the biggest crowd ever for a Miami Grand Prix for for the inaugural race. Was it a record for any Grand Prix in the United States? Any F one race in the United States? Austin's bigger than that, isn't it? Austin's bigger. Uh, Lisa and I had been to in. 2006 and 2007, we were at Indy and they had over 160,000 people. Sure. Yeah. Um, And it looked empty, right? Because it's because, because Indy, Indy seats over 300,000. So you put 150,000 in there and you're like, well, this is disappointing. I guess they couldn't pull (laughs) it. Yeah. It was great. Uh, 150,000 people, no lines for the bathroom because they have bathrooms for 300,000. Anyway, so it wasn't a, it wasn't a record for the US. It wasn't a record it wasn't a record for even attendance this year for Formula. Like it the only record was this is our first race and we had record attendance. Okay. I mean, technically, they ran that past legal. I'm sure. And legal said yeah, yeah technically. Te- yeah, I guess mm-hmm. you, you can say that. Um and then the last idiot of the week I need to send you if I if I send you a video a, a tweet with a video on it. Can you um, you want to drop a cuckoo clock in at some point? By the way, and listen to the stellar analysis. There's a ball hit toward right field. Sheets coming in. Drops the ball. The Guardians will score first as Quan comes home. Into second base is Owen Miller. And just simply watched it. That's that's a major league broadcast. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, it did hit him right in the glove. It did. You don't get that kind of analysis from MLB Network. Are you? 
<laughs> I think the mic uh, might have been open there, Bob. <laughs> Did you ever watch Brockmire? No. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> That's classic. Yeah, that may win this week. The the headline I saw said uh, a play so bad it led to an FCC violation. <laughs> I'll buy that. <laughs> oh Lord, nice. So, how was your week? Have you have you started to get caught back up on things after being on media blackout? Um, yeah. I, well, we've. I mean, we got caught up on Rue last week, and we've been doing a few other things. I'm still way behind in a whole bunch of podcasts, but we have watched a couple of things new. Um, Number one on HBO Max, we watched a documentary called Beanie Mania. It came out a couple of years ago. It's about the the Beanie Baby craze. <laughs> it's actually kind of interesting. Um, Lisa had some Beanie Babies for a while, mm-hmm. um, whatever. But it's it's an interesting story about. There's some people in there who are like, yeah, that, that got a little out of control. Yeah, yeah. Like I, uh, there multiple people are asked, were you addicted? And these were their answers. Uh, well, I guess it depends on how you define addiction. <laughs> anyway, other people's pain, good entertainment. Um, anyway, I would recommend if you're interested in the Beanie Baby craze, um, or, or in bubble markets in general, uh, HBO max, the other one that we watched and I teased this last week and I said, we saw it a couple of episodes to go. So I wasn't going to, uh, I wasn't going to spoil it till we finished it on apple tv plus on apple tv on apple tv is a series called um slow horses okay it is based on a series of books um the premise i'm not giving anything away the the premise is you've got a bunch of um you've got a bunch of spies from mi5 so, am I, you know, James Bond's MI6 external in England, MI5 are the spies that are internal. When you screw up, they have to put you someplace. And so this is the office where the screw up spies go. Oh, yes. Um, is this is a comedy. No, it is not. Uh, it is a drama and it's actually a suspenseful drama. It stars Gary Oldman. Um, as the lead, he leads this group of, of spies. He is a washed up spy who doesn't care about anybody or anything and is gruff and is whatever. Uh, and Kristen Scott Thomas is also in it. And she is the second in command at MI5. Anyway, it, it's, it's incredibly good. It's very good. And it's actually very, um, it's kind of up there in a different way, but it's up there with vigil. It's kind of got that same, there is stuff that is going on and there is a problem and there's multiple things going on. And Gary Oldman is fantastic in the character that he plays. So it's only six episodes. Season one is only six episodes long. Um, They actually filmed season one and season two at the same time to get the big stars. So season two, I think is mostly done at the end of season one. They actually even show you scenes from season two. Highly recommend 
six episodes, you can you can get through it pretty quick. So there you go. Slow horses. Uh, similarly, last week I, I teased a very British scandal. Yes, yes. Which is on Amazon. It's only three episodes, three one-hour episodes, and it's about um, the Duke and Duchess of Argyle and their divorce in 1963 and how this was according to the cards at the end, you know, this was the first time the UK mass media publicly shamed a woman, which that doesn't sound right. That does. That sounds like way late in British history for them. <laughs> like, nah, are you sure? Cause because Anne Boleyn is going, Hey, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what, the, yeah. Okay. Anyway. All right. Fine. Anyway, again, I don't think that sounds right, but sure. We'll go. All right. Again, um, it's, it's three one hour episodes. It's a really easy, it's shorter than in game. <laughs> Among other things, there are not a lot of people to like in this, <laughs> but it's interesting <laughs> and it's, and it's less than three hours. Yeah. There you go. So it's what we're watching. I, I guess I do recommend it. It is interesting, but eek. Um, we also went to see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Yes. Lisa actually, she saw you post that you guys went and she said, oh, I need to get a review from them. And I said, well, it'll be on the podcast. And she said, uh, I, I I, want my own. Um, so anyway, oops. Um reviews haven't been kind to this movie and that's being kind to the summation of the reviews. So your, your thoughts, it's kind of a hot mess, (laughs) but as I've heard other commenters say, it's a comic book movie. I mean, come on. We were very entertained. I, I thought it held pretty true to the doctor strange kind of stuff. Um, There's a lot going on. There's a lot of Wanda. Um, We were trying to get ready to go. And Amy said, how long is this thing? So I Google runtime, Dr. Strange, two hours and five minutes. And Amy says, really? For a Marvel movie, that seems really short. (laughs) Yeah. And it's two hours and five minutes. And wow, is that only part one? I, right, I know. And you, you know, you think about all the ninety-three minute comedies that we watched growing up. And this two-hour and five-minute movie is short. I, <laughs> I enjoyed it. it. The big, the big question I have though is, did you fall asleep? Oh, absolutely not. Okay. Oh, that was short. Yeah. Okay fair it's it was good i enjoyed it um yeah there's a talking cow among other things yeah um but if you uh so in preparation we watched the first doctor strange the new spider-man movie 
the episode of What If with Doctor Strange where he loses his heart instead of his hands and episodes eight and nine of WandaVision. There was a lot of prep for this movie for us. That's a lot of homework. <laughs> I was told there wouldn't be homework. And yet, I mean, I mean, that's like, I mean, is that like four times? Like, no, that's at least twice as long, two to three times longer in homework than the actual movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, cause you watched two movies at two hours a piece and the Spider-Man yep. one was longer than that. And, and three episodes of TV. Uh-huh. All just to know what was going on. Probably eight hours over the course of four or five days. Yeah. In order to get ready. Just to know what's going on. Yep. Well, it's what Amy wanted for Mother's Day. So Amy got what she wanted. There you go. By the way, one other one. Uh, We'll be talking about this next week. Uh, You mentioned this last week. Um, Girls 5 Eva season two has has come out, has dropped, as they say. So... uh, Yes, but they're rolling it out week by week. They're not dropping the entire thing. So yes, there are only three episodes currently out. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, it's out in case everybody's been waiting five ever for it. (laughs) So this week I learned, relearned really went for a walk tonight to go find someplace to go eat dinner there was Joe's Italian ice. There's one in, I think there's one in Tucson and there's one here in Amazon and one here in Amazon. <laughs> Just one here in Amazon. Yeah. Isn't there, isn't there one in armadillo? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the shell you're talking about. <laughs> there's one here in Anaheim, Joe's Italian ice. So I stopped for dessert on my way back and I got a small. I had forgotten when you eat Italian ice exactly how cold it is and partially how cold it is in your mouth, but how cold it is like two thirds of the way down your esophagus (laughs) the first time. It stays cold a really, really long time. I'm like, oh, it was really good. And then went time for bite two. (laughs) Yes. Headache. How about you? Did you learn anything this week? So Sunday night, Sunday late afternoon, I think. Anyway, um, so I watched the I watched the uh, the aforementioned uh, Miami Grand Prix, once the F1 race later in the day, I get a text from you making fun, uh, making a formula one joke that worked. Um, and it, I thought I, I no longer know what is more weird that I'm getting text messages from Dwayne about formula one. Or about RuPaul. <laughs> Neither of which I had anticipated ever receiving from you. And now they're both coming in and I can't figure out which is odder. 
you know, the influence that you bring to my life, Todd, <laughs> just can't be measured. And I, I was just waiting. I was just actually waiting for you to say, you know what, you know what, somebody needs to tell the, uh, tell the Mercedes drivers, you better work. You've. <laughs> Music is Happy Boy by Kevin McLeod. You can subscribe to Talking to Todd wherever you get your pods. Search Talking on the number two, no G, no space. You can tweet us on Facebook. You can check out our award-winning merch on Zazzle. You can leave us a voicemail at 515, also CPA. That's 515-257-6272. You know, I always wonder when we're on the road if somebody is listening on the other side of the thin hotel walls. And is going to call and leave us a message. Will you guys? This is room two hundred five. Knock it off. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, you can, as always, stop by and see us at the Tuba City Home Office. Thanks to our listeners and our sponsors, Todd Lager thirty one eighty seven, and DJ to Go Cedar Valley. You can send us your feedback to feedback at talkingtotod.com. Todd? So I'm just reading the uh, source of all truth and knowledge here about Anastasia Beverly Hills. And boy, you're not lying. I mean, they're talking about they promoted the product on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, that's what people do. <laughs> that is notable enough to get into the Wikipedia thing. And it even mentions also in 2019, drag queen Alyssa Edwards released a 14 pan eyeshadow palette with ABH. But that not. On the other hand, I will also say, you know, it's, according to this, Anastasia Beverly Hills is worth three. In 2018, the company was reported to be worth $3 billion and have over $200 million in operating income. I don't know. That's uh, the annual income to valuation is way off in that company, I feel like. But whatever. I don't know. All I'm saying is, is uh, if they're worth three billion, uh, that that hundred that hundred k or now one hundred and fifty k of prize money that should uh, they got some they got some money it's raise it up a little bit. But uh, oh, and they also did a, they also collaborated with Amrazy again. I I don't know who anybody. I don't. I've now gone way way out of my way out of my depth. It's a Wikipedia rabbit hole that we will never recover from. We're definitely going to have to clean that up next week. We'll be back next week. Right here. Talking to Todd. Yeah, I'm still on this. I'm still on this Anastasia page, and I'm, I'm realizing here when you go to Wikipedia and like it's about people, and there's like a section called controversies. Sometimes it's like, you know, they may have used anti-Semitic things. They may have used the N-word. They may have run up in the middle of the Oscars and assaulted another actor. 
here's the controversy. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, yeah. Here's the dirt on Anastasia Beverly Hills. Now we finally get to it. We see their dark secrets. In July of 2017, ABH released the Subculture Eyeshadow Palette. Online reviewers criticized the poor blendability and excessive fallout of the eyeshadows, leading the company to apologize on social media. How are they still in business? (laughs) Does Rue know this? Thinking this through now, though, I think we've made a very big mistake because I'm pretty sure that we need to scrub everything about a make a comp- makeup company that does a lot of work online. Because I mean, we can talk sports and we can talk politics. We can even talk religion. You start talking about online influencers and their makeup, they will come for you. So we should probably just get rid of all of this. Just scrub it away. Have it fall out like the 2017 subculture eyeshadow palette of Anastasia Beverly Hills. <laughs>